Hello, friends, and welcome to the Right Away Podcast. It is Saturday, September 3rd, 2022, as we are recording. I'm Chris Kane with my co-host... J.P. Reinflash. Uh, how was your writing week, J.P.? Ah. Uh, <laughs> it was okay. Uh, I had to do a lot of travel for work, and that took up a lot of my morning times. Uh, so... Didn't get a lot of writing done, but I did listen to some fantastic books. So that's, I think, Light from Under the Stars, right? No. Light from Uncommon Stars, which is like the most bonkers book ever, and I love Uh, it. It's wild, and I loved it. And that book and then The Secret Society of Irregular Witches, I listened to both of those while I was traveling, and both of them are like these pseudo cozy i don't know what you'd call them but they were the same vibe that i wanted my publishing six project to be um and they made me realize a couple things that i want to change in my manuscript which is both good and bad but i think that it will do good for my manuscript so i am going to do that this week when i travel um because i am going on a (laughs) 20 hour drive this weekend yay (laughs) i want to share my description of like from uncommon stars because i love this book it's wild so much there are three main characters the first one is a trans mixed teenage sex worker who is a prodigy violin player violinist Then the other two main characters are two awkward lesbians falling in love. Old lesbians, let's put it that way. One of them is an alien who runs a donut shop, which is a cover for their secret hideout. The other is a several hundred years old violinist who made a deal with the devil and has to bring souls to him to earn her freedom. It's bonkers. It is sci-fi. It is fantasy. It is coming of age. It is love story. It's wild. It is wild. And it works. And that's a hundred percent. And also like within every five minutes of reading it or listening, because I did audiobook, they described food and it just made me so hungry the whole time. But the food descriptions (laughs) are top notch. I think I definitely teared up at some of the emotional descriptions, possibly of food, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I do love food that much. Yeah. The author did a really good job, whether or not they are a violinist, of really depicting the emotion that comes through when listening to music mm-hmm. in a really vivid way. Because I 100% agree, like you almost, as a reader, you had that same feeling as if you were listening to the music, but it was all written down. Yeah, it's a really bonkers but delectable book <laughs> yes now that i've sidetracked us my week i got a little bit of writing done it, it was hard this week for some reason don't know why but i did i stuck to the writing didn't get my 2000 words every day but i at least got like 700 a thousand like no zero days and then my second german translation went out and amazon didn't block it from sale because of some Need me needing to prove the cover this time that I owned the rights to the cover. So it, the sales have been great. I like combined, I have earned back the cost of translating the first book. And I think as we, as the books come out, that first book will 
always like pick up more readers as there's a new release. Um, and my hope is that by the end of the series, each book is earning itself out within a month. That would be amazing. If it doesn't, if it mm-hmm. earns out in two or three months, that's fine. That's how my audio started. But that would be lovely. That would be lovely. Then I can keep yeah. on doing more German translations. When you sent me the screenshot of where you were at with your categories, I definitely cheered. Definitely was yeah. like... I hit number my... three in my category. I think the highest I hit in the German store was like 260-something. But all three, so the first book, the second book, and the pre-order were on the top 100 of my category at one point. So, like, German doesn't have a lot selling. (laughs) The fact that my pre-order could get up there. I think it was like I had 40 pre-orders on it, and it hit the top 100 of the category. I think it was like 1,000 in the German store, if that tells you, like, the velocity of the German store, different from the U.S. store. But it's still happiness. Yep. 100%. Yay! Okay, so this week our card that we're taking inspiration from is The World, the last card in the Major Arcana. JP, would you describe the card for us? Absolutely. Last card. Um, Okay, so keywords, completion, integration, accomplishment, and travel. Reversed, seeking personal closure, shortcuts, and delays. So... World card, in depicted in the Rider Waite tarot, it shows a woman wrapped in purple cloth dancing inside a large laurel wreath. Uh, She looks behind her to the past while her body moves forward in the future, holding wands, etc. Lots of fun figures going on here. But the cool part about this is with tarot, uh, the world is both the beginning and the end because it is the end of one cycle and the start of the next one. So with the tarot, it's not fool to the world and you're done, but it's fool to the world. You've learned something, you've come out of it, and you've become the fool again. So that's really how tarot works, is things are never from point A to point B, but it's a continuous cycle. Uh, So one of my favorite things about the world is the fact that you have become the quote-unquote expert, or you have become the learned person for whatever your original fool beginnings were but now you're at the next step where you need to learn something again so it's a constant process of relearning and new cycles yeah i was going to make sure we pointed that out so with that in mind as we were coming up with our questions the question that we're going to talk about for craft is do you pay attention to reader reviews the reason i say like this question came up for me is The only reason I think you should pay attention to reader reviews at all is to see what you're going to take from this book to apply to the next one. Have Mm. you paid much attention to reader reviews, JP, with your books out? You don't get much many reviews on the Vela because it's Vela. Yeah. But with your urban fantasy as well. Yeah. We have. I think it's just because, you know, first book release, you want to look at all the reviews. Um... I found them useful, but they are very much like, because they're positive, they're the like, nice feeling ones. We, oddly enough, like we got one three star review and we didn't know why, because the review didn't come in. And I just was like, whatever, if they, if it won't provide feedback, then I can't do anything about it. 
so there's no point in thinking about it. But yeah, I've paid attention to the reviews because in my head, if there's anything pointed out there that I can internalize and use moving forward, I would love to. I'm the kind of person that I can take negative feedback and I can try to incorporate it in the future if it's applicable. But I think that's like the key is if you really have to gauge if you can or can't take that kind of feedback because some people can't and that's okay that you can't. Yeah, I 100% agree. If you are not the kind of person who can read negative feedback and not dwell on it, um, then reading reviews is definitely not for you because it's going to stop you from writing. The only time that you should pay attention to reviews is if you can take that criticism and process it, discard what doesn't apply to you and move forward. When I started out and I wasn't using an, any kind of editor or any kind of like beta readers or any kind of feedback before I was publishing, except for proofreading, which you, you need, I used reviews as a way to tell me if I was on track for the genre I was writing in. And mm -hmm. those initial reviews were so helpful. And I was writing really fast. So I was using those reviews, taking what I learned, applying it to the next book in a very rapid turnaround. And the, the five-star reviews are never going to be helpful. They're just a boost to your ego. Sometimes yep. the four-star reviews will give you a, a good point that you need to like look at. The three-star reviews, the ones that actually write a review, are your best bet for people who are readers of your genre and readers of your style, but you didn't quite match with, probably. Mm -hmm. Two stars mm -hmm. and one stars, they're not your people really ever, so like don't even worry about it. I, however, am weird in that I love one stars. I love them because they don't have anything to do with my work. They have to, uh, completely to do with the person who read it. It's about how mm -hmm. they interpreted things, not about the value of my work. Right. Unless you got all one stars on something, then something's going wrong. I don't know. Probably a brigade of trolls. Who knows? At least one person in the world is going to like your book, even if it's your mom. Now, most authors will tell you don't touch Goodreads with a 10-foot pole when reading your reviews because that's a reader space. Readers are far more open with their opinions than they are leaving a book review on Amazon. On Amazon, they recognize that the author is going to see it. They're going to probably read it. So a lot of readers won't be completely forthright on Amazon. It's no holds barred over on Goodreads. So if you do not have a thick skin, don't look at your books on Goodreads. I, however, am a monster, and I love my one stars on, Good, on Goodreads. And I will go through, I don't know, about once a year and find all my one stars, and I will crack up. I will just sit here laughing. Mm -hmm. It's the best. Not my review, but one of the best one-star reviews one of my friends ever got was, I could write a better novel with alphabet soup. <laughs> I it's just like they're gold they're just little like yeah, bits yeah. of gold they don't have anything to do with your story with your writing have a hundred percent to do with the reader that's all yep. that's all that is yep. I I always get afraid when looking at Goodreads um only because as I'm scrolling I'm afraid I'm gonna hit the like button or something along those lines and I'm like I'm like, I'm just trying to be a stealth lurker. I'm just looking at reviews. Don't look at me. Because I just don't want, I don't want it to like randomly show up on their feed like, so-and-so liked it. And I'm like, that's awkward. 
But I created yeah. a whole new Goodreads simply because oh, I didn't want people to know what I'm reading, what I'm liking. It's like I just want to keep track of the books that I'm reading and the books I want to, but I don't want people to be like, oh, Chris Kane said that this was a really good book, or Chris Kane didn't like this book. I wonder why. I don't want any of that. And I don't generally leave like full reviews there. But I just wanted to track and have no one know, particularly my mother. I love you, mom, but I don't want her to know everything I'm reading. One thing you can do, because reviews can be good for using for your promo. You can take lines from them. You can see what the words are. Mm -hmm. If you're the kind of person who can't look at your reviews for fear that you'll run across a negative one that will completely derail you, you can get a partner, a friend to go through and copy out all the good stuff so that you have it in a file so you can access it if you need to use it for promos or to research like what are the words that kind of seem to keep popping up in these reviews so that I can figure out how to market my book better. Yeah. I think one thing that both like reviews and the editing process has humbled me and or made me think of ways in which like feedback is not an attack towards me but just towards the project or whatever it's just really been that exposure and really like focusing in on like how to make something better based off of someone else's perspective so like when doing uh like when hiring an editor and hearing their feedback regardless of how negative it is always coming at it with that's not a personal attack but it's just it's explicit to the work it's a way in which the work could be improved if they represent that market or if they understand that market that you're trying to reach out to uh, and then the same would go for reviews in my opinion where like you said the one and two star reviews it's probably not your market that you're looking for, but those three-star reviews really hold that gold of someone within your market that just it didn't hit with. So that's a way to gauge whether or not that is someone that you want to include into that market or if you really want to just bunker down in this very specific niche of this very specific group of people. I think that using reviews in a means to either improve your work or improve your work through the perspective of other customers is just a way to improve or expand your market, if that makes sense, which sometimes 100%. you don't want to do. Yeah, absolutely. My question for our listeners this week is, what kind of, of author are you? Can you pay attention to reviews or can you not? And if you already have books out and published, we'd love to hear a story of a review that's been really helpful for you. Thank you and if you have any so funny one stars. <laughs> yes, please tell us your delightful one stars. Thank you so much for joining us this and every other week. We are about to go record our business episode, which is going to go over the question of like, what's next in the author leveling up. If you'd like to listen to that episode and many more, you can join us over at Patreon at www.patreon.com slash podcast. We will be discussing soon what will be next now that we're done with our journey through tarot and you'll probably hear us chit chat about that on the next episode see you later <laughs>